You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 money pit. Money Pit is presented by Bank of America. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, what home improvement projects do you have planned for this weekend? It might not just be this weekend. I mean, these days we're all working all kinds of crazy hours working from home, so maybe it's this afternoon. I actually personally am thinking about doing a project this afternoon over at my condo that we've been fixing up. It's a place we bought many years ago and we rent. And I'm going to put in a new shower door. So the shower door is there waiting for me to get my butt over there and actually install it. And I thought, you know what? I could probably do that in an hour or two. That would be a good job for me to do today. But whatever's on your to-do list, we would love to help. If you've got questions about how to get it done, if you want to hire a pro and don't know what to what you need to know, what questions to ask, that sort of thing, we can help with that. But most importantly, you have to help yourself first. How do you do that? Well, you reach out to us. You can post your questions at moneypit.com or you can call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Coming up on today's show, if you're thinking about updating your kitchen but you're concerned about the cost, we're going to share some easy tips on updates you can do over a weekend that can totally transform your space without the hassles. And it's the age-old dilemma of what do you do when the appliances break down? Do you fix them or do you replace them altogether? Well, we've got a cheat sheet that can help you save money and help you make that right choice. Plus, are you ready for a new washing machine? We're going to have some tips to help you figure out which features are worth paying for because, man... Are there dozens of possible features in those machines today? So we're going to share which ones are worth spending bucks on and which ones you should really skip. But most importantly, we want to hear from you. What are you working on? Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. You know, the cool thing about how we produce the Money Pit is that you can give us a call anytime, 24-7 at 888-MONEY-PIT. Now, if we're in the studio, we're going to pick up the phone. But if we're not, we'll still pick up. We're going to get some details and call you back the next time we record. So, again, that number is 888-666-3974 or post your questions to moneypit.com. So, let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Mayor in New Jersey, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Moved into a house about a year ago. It was built in 2007, and all the windows, they sand the windows and they're sand windows, I don't know which type they are, and all the windows only open very little until they get stuck. 
And a lot of them, if you try to open it, it gets so stuck that I can't even close it. Well, I'll tell you what, the fact that you have Anderson windows tells me that I seriously doubt there's anything wrong with the window itself. I suspect what happened here, Mayor, is there's a problem with the installation. And if the jams, which is the side pieces that the windows slide up and down on, if they were installed wrong so that there's pressure pushing them inward, that can cause the condition that you're describing. I'll tell you one way that that often happens. Sometimes uh, installers will use a spray foam insulation, like the kind that's polyurethane that expands and gets really, really hard. Something as simple as that can bend those jams in and make it hard to open the windows. But I think what you've got here is definitely an insulation problem and not a problem with that window. So to try to get to the bottom of it, you're going to have to probably open up the trim on that window from either the outside or the inside to to make sure the window was installed correctly. If it's if it's too tight in that opening, or if there's insulation pressing on it, or if there are shims there that were um, put in too aggressively and bent those jams inward, that would cause the condition that you're ex- that you're describing. I mean, the good news is that an Anderson window is a very good window, so that's why I suspect this has nothing to do with the window and has more to do with the way they were. Installed. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Meyer. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Gail in Ontario is on the line. How can we help you today? We just uh, had uh, a high efficiency energy uh, furnace and central air installed in our house. And I have uh, a ranch style house crawl space. Um, it's all insulated. And they installed the furnace in the laundry room, and they've got the condensate pipes from the furnace and the central air uh, dripping into a bucket into the ground of the crawl space, uh, and there is limestone in the bucket. And we're at odds whether this is a good thing or not. So when you say it's dripping into a bucket, is this a um, a sump pump, like a sump pit, or is this just like a bucket on the ground in the crawl space? I mean, kind of describe it for me. Yeah, it's just a bucket with limestone in it. They cut a hole in uh, my plastic uh, that's uh, running along the bottom of the crawl space, and they've got the bucket over the where they cut it, and, uh, yeah, the pipe is just dripping into the bucket, going through the limestone and into the ground. You're basically just dumping the water under the underneath the vapor barrier. No, I don't think that's a very good idea at all. It's really sloppy. What you should be doing in this case is you should, or they should more, more accurately, have installed a condensate pump. Now, a condensate pump is a small pump and sits near the near the furnace and near the air handler. And then the moisture goes into that pump. And once it fills up, a float starts the pump up and then pumps that condensate up through usually a clear plastic tube or a small pipe and then outside. So you basically run it outside your house the same way you might discharge your gutter. Like, for example, in my house, I have a condensate pump that discharges into the same uh, splash block as my gutter downspout and takes that water outside. I don't like the idea at all of just dumping it into the crawl space soil, which is essentially what they're doing here. Yeah, I'll tell them that. Yeah, like I was, we were, it was really bothering us because we didn't think it was a good thing because I'm, I'm thinking all that water going under there, it's defeating the purpose of of insulating the crawl space. Yeah, no, your intuition is, is spot on, okay? So you, you call that Ontario Canada contractor back and get him to fix that, okay? And thank you so much for calling me. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? 
That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T, MONEYPIT. Scott and George is on the line with a question about an attic fan. How can we help you today? Well, I have a, uh, a house that has a ridge vent in it, and the texture in the attic gets to be somewhere around 115 to 120 degrees during the summer, which and it gets pretty warm. So uh, to help uh, with some of the, I guess, the insulation and uh, I guess some of the, the heating, uh, the heat up there in the attic, I want to put in maybe a attic ventilator to help assist with the removal of some of that heat, you know, more airflow up there. But my concern is if I do that with a ridge vent, am I going to be pulling air from the outside in through the ridge vent into the attic, only to be 
evacuated again by the power ventilator. And generally, you're going to, I mean, that's exactly what's going to happen. And then you'll be also pulling, you know, whatever conditioned air from whatever leaks or spaces you have within the house into the attic space and then back out. So you're kind of not achieving what you want to achieve there. However, you've got the ridge vent. Do you have soffit vents in play at your house? Soffit, yes, I do. I do have soffits, yes. And they're not blocked by any insulation or? No, I, I've checked, I, I've checked most of that in some of the, some of the areas um, I had to push the insulation down just to be sure there was a clear path. So I would say overall probably uh, maybe 90, 95% of it is uh, unobstructed. It sounds like you're doing the right things. Uh, how, when was your house built, Scott? How old is it? The house is about 10 years old. Now, it sits out and there's no trees, there's no shade or anything in the area. And, of course, South Georgia in the summers we get, you know, 100, 110 degrees. So. Because the thing is, even though it's getting hot in that attic space, I mean, it is at ambient temperature, so that's kind of, you're not going to get it much cooler than that. If you've got unobstructed soffit vents, you've got good soffit ventilation on both sides of the house, you have a really good ridge vent. Now, sometimes I see ridge vents that are not very open. They're like, especially the kind that I see that are corrugated looking like. They don't let enough air out. So, I mean, it might be worth looking at the type of ridge vent that you have. Uh, the certain teed ridge vents, the, the company's called AirVent or the brand's called AirVent. I think it's AirVent.com. You'll see that they have these metal ridge vents that have like a, a folded edge on one side of it. That actually depressurizes the ridge and makes it more efficient in terms of pulling air out of it. So you may not be getting as much air out of that ridge vent as you would like to. Um, do you have gable vents on the end walls as well? Yes, actually, I do. So that, if the ridge vent and the soffit vent are set up correctly, you actually don't need those gable vents. They actually can tend to make that structure inefficient because it kind of messes with the airflow. So I would look at the ridge vent that I have and make sure I'm getting plenty plenty of, of air that is exhausting out of that. But as Leslie said, putting an attic fan next to that is going to be like a dog chasing its tail. You know, you're not really going to be very efficient. And it could pull up air conditioned air from your house and actually raise the cooling bill. Okay. I, that was my concern. I, I was just kind of thinking about that in my head and going, gee whiz, would that ever happen? But um, okay, because I've seen some houses around here that look like, yeah, they have a they have an attic ventilator, but then they also looks like maybe at least part of the roof or a section of the roof has a ridge vent. So yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of people that just do that because they don't know what else to do. But but the problem with attic fans is that you know your house has all types of little gaps in it that connect the attic to the inside. Think about you know the framed wall and the outlet, for example. I mean, that's an opening, right? And if your attic is depressurized, it's going to want to suck air up from anywhere it can find, and that's going to include the conditioned air, that expensive, comfortable conditioned air that's inside your house. That's why passive ventilation is always a better option. Okay. Okay. So probably a certain teed uh, would be a good brand or a good good type of ridge vent. Yeah, take a look at airvent.com and look at the one that's called a multi-pitch filter vent. It's a metal vent, ridge vent that sits on top of your roof and it has an airfoil to the side of it. And I know that that airfoil speeds up the depressurization and makes it much more effective. Okay, so a, a multi-vent, okay. It's called a multi-pitch filter vent and it's in the ridge vent section. It's okay, I'll do that. Good. I appreciate the help. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Lisa in Michigan's on the line dealing with a humid bath. What's going on? I have a energy efficient house that was built very tight and they put in a exhaust fan in the bathroom. Um, 
to allow ventilation for the whole house. But I don't know if it's doing a correct job, and I've read some places where they say to leave it running all the time. So the timer that's in the bathroom exhaust fan, first of all, that would be a very weird place to put whole house ventilation, by the way. That exhaust fan is probably just for your bathroom to take the moisture out of the bathroom. That would be more normal. Don't. Why do you think it's for the whole house? It's not a whole house. They use it for... Uh, ventilation because the house is so tight. Well, it's taking air out. Mm-hmm. Well, if the house is really tight, the ventilation would be where we add air back in, not where we take air out. We take air out. That's usually because we have damp moisture we want to get rid of. I, I'm pretty sure that what you're seeing in your bathroom is not for the entire house. I think it is just for a, a typical bathroom exhaust fan. And the timer on it um, is one that would, if it's set, Normally, it would be set for humidity. It might have a humidistat on it. So I don't think what you're seeing is for whole house ventilation. There would be a different type of fan that would be used for that. Is this in the bath ceiling? Yeah. Yeah. It's not for the whole house. Well, but that's what I've read that that's what they're doing on some of these houses. No. It might be just bad information that's getting passed around. That wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. Okay. All right. (laughs) Do I need to have some type of air exchange for a house that is... Well, that's an architectural question, and it depends on how tight the house is and what the air changes per hour were designed to be. If it's any less than about three-quarters of an air change per hour, then you probably do need to have some replacement air ventilation in it. But I would ask your builder or your HVAC contractor that question, and then they can discuss the options for for that. The the trick is that you want to be able, if you're going to bring in fresh air, you want to do it through something called an air-to-air heat exchanger so that if it's you, you're exhausting stale air, but you're you're recovering the BTUs that were used to heat that air. So you're not getting rid of the heat. It's kind of like a radiator where it's passing it from bad air to the good air on the way in. So you're sort of preheating that 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 air that's coming in from the outside using the heat that was in the stale air. That's why it's called an air-to-air heat exchanger because it, it exchanges the air, but it traps the heat or the cool. Okay? So good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Well, if home is where the heart is, then kitchens are clearly one of the vital organs that convert your house into a home. So it's no surprise that kitchen renovations are among the most popular remodeling projects tackled every year. But while any home improvement project can be complicated, major kitchen remodeling, guys, it can turn your life completely upside down. And I mean, let's not forget about all of those fast food pounds that you're going to be putting on because you got no kitchen to cook in, so you're going to be doing hot plate stuff, microwave stuff, delivery, all the delicious DoorDash, things. Uber Seriously. <laughs> and you're not ordering healthy food when you're ordering in like no. that. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff going on. So we're going to share some tips to simplify the process in today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. All right. So first, to avoid the home improvement hassles, it definitely makes sense to break down the projects into modules. You know, like small parts that can be done completely independent of one another. Not only does this approach make the project more manageable, but the smaller changes can also have a big visual impact that you may not have realized, and it might even cut down 
on a plan for doing an even more major makeover. Yeah, for example, changing your kitchen countertop, painting the cabinets, or just replacing all of that cabinet hardware are projects that can be done in hours, not weeks, and do result in a very attractive and, quite frankly, a huge transformation. Yeah, and if you were to replace, for example, just the kitchen floor, or if you were to improve the kitchen lighting, or just paint the room... You can get a fresh new look in that space, and if you just replace faucets with water-efficient models and maybe switch out old appliances for more Energy Star certified products, those will also lower utility costs across the board and give you better performance at the same time. And that's today's Smart Spending Tip, presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Earn 3% cash back on online shopping. Apply at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, heading over to North Carolina, where John's got a question about insulation. How can we help you? Hey, so this is just a follow-up question to what I had for y'all before. I called in about um, spray and foam, and um, y'all said that you know um, for, it, for for your house, the eighteen, I think eighteen ninety six home or something. Older yeah, eighteen ninety six. Yeah, good foam. memory. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So for that for that house, oh, you said you had the spray. What I was just wondering was, um, I talked a little bit more to. Um, the um the uh, person that wants to do the work on my house and they said there was two different types of uh, uh, closed cell and open cell and I just didn't know um I was wondering if you if you knew what was in your house if it was open or closed cell and if there was one that was better than the other I guess that was pretty much my main question well closed cell spray foam can be applied at a lower temperature as low as uh, I think about five degrees it's also a stronger foam so sometimes if you're concerned about shift in a wall what's called the racking strength. You use a closed cell. It's also got a higher R value per inch, so it's a little more energy okay. efficient, um, and it's resistant to vapor transfer, so it has lower vapor permanence, it's called. Um, it okay. also can reject, reject any water, like in leaks. It's not really damaged by that. Uh, open cell spray foam is at a significantly lower cost than closed cell, uh, and you can get a greater R value if you're not restricted by space. In other words, if you got room for the, sp- the, sp- the stuff to expand. Um, okay. So that, but it's a little more of a hydrophobic material, and it's going to also be a good air barrier and an insulating material as well. So those are kind of the differences. It really depends on okay. what you're trying to achieve. I think in my home, I have both. Um, I think I have okay. closed cell down in the crawl space where there's more potential moisture and open cell uh, up in the attic space. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate you all letting me call in again to um, ask a follow-up question. I love your program, so thank you so much for calling me, guys. All right, take care. Good luck with that project. June in Alaska's on the line with a question about tiles cracking on the floor. How can we help you today? I was listening to your wonderful program, and um, when you got to the part about the in-floor heat, the um, we have a lot of that here in our area, the uh, in-floor heating, yes. and I love it. However, our home is only 10 years old. It's, it's, you know, it's fairly new, but I've noticed my bathroom floors, they have ceramic tile, 
Okay. And we have some hairline cracks in them. Mm, yeah. But I thought, when, okay, I'm going to replace them. But right. when I do that, uh, I want to know how to have the people do it properly. Right. So that doesn't happen so, again. Yeah, so I think you may have heard us talking to the representative from Schluter Systems. You're referring to the uh, the remote show that I did up in Newton, Massachusetts with all of the guys at this old house. And we were talking about one of the products they put in, which is a product called Detra. And Detra is a membrane that goes under tile, and it does just that. It prevents cracking. But now they have Detra where they've combined it with a heating system. So you can have an electric floor underneath your tile, and you know that the tile is going to be both warm and it will not crack. So it's uh-huh. a really cool product, very effective, and I really hate to get the calls from folks that are asking me how to stop the floors from cracking because there's no easy answer. It's just it's happening because the floor wasn't put down correctly to begin with. But now uh, you can put down this Dietra product with the heating system built in. There's a Wi-Fi thermostat that's available for it, and you've got all the parts in, in one place. So I would cool. definitely encourage you to look into that uh, when you're ready to do the floor. Just look for those Schluter Systems, uh, their website, and it's pretty obvious. It's called Dietra Heat. They've been making products for pros that, that install tile for a long, long time, and that's okay. why the guys at this old house use them for so many of those critical bathroom projects there. Love your program. Well, thank you very much. Well, not to be a glass half empty kind of guy, do you guys ever look around your house and wonder which appliance is going to be the first to break down? I mean, you know, they don't last forever, Leslie, right? Yeah, I mean, they don't last forever. Now, most appliances are going to have an average lifespan of 10 to 20 years. So unless it's covered by a warranty, at some point, you're going to have to decide whether an appliance is worth fixing or it's time to just suck it up and buy a new one. Well, there is a helpful formula that can help tip the scales one way or the other. It weighs the age of the appliance and its original cost against the cost of repairing it. So let's say your three-year-old refrigerator breaks down and the cost of repair is, well, let's go to a thousand bucks. It's probably not worthwhile because the repair cost is more than 40% of what you paid for it just three years back. So replacing it is a much wiser bet. Yeah, and the numbers are going to vary by appliance type. Microwaves, they're cheap, so they quickly become candidates for replacing rather than repairing. Dryers, on the other hand, they're often worth spending a few hundred dollars to fix because they can be expensive. So to get the entire cheat sheet of when and whether to repair or replace your broken appliances, check it out. It's on our website at moneypit.com. Bill in Texas has a question about rusty grout in a bathroom project. What's going on? Yes, ma'am. I, I, a couple of years ago, I put in a tile shower. I removed a fiberglass shower and I put in a tile shower. And the problem is, you know how you put like the rubber barrier up like 42 or 48 inches? I put that up, but I, I'm guessing that I should have used like stainless steel screws because in two spots, you can kind of detect like a rust color kind of seeping through the grout. And I'm wondering if I should remove the grout and maybe try it. They have that epoxy-based grout. If I should do that or if there's, when I remove the grout, if there's a product I should apply to kind of neutralize the rust, uh, basically that's what's going on. I've just, I'm decently handy, so I know I can remove the grout and everything, but I'm just wondering what steps I should take uh, to prevent the rust from coming back. Well, the sand-based grout certainly is going to allow any rust stains to kind of permeate right through. Epoxy grout probably would not. That might be the simplest solution if it's just minor surface rust. 
it's a little bit late now to pull tile off and start you know changing fasteners. So I think that probably makes the most sense. Bill would be just to uh, re- remove the old grout with a grout saw, and then regrout it with epoxy based grout, which by the way is a little harder to work with. So make sure you uh, take your time, maybe practice off off those bathroom walls before you apply it to it. But I think that's probably uh, the best solution in the short term. Now, the for automotive, they have like Pour 15 and different products to like neutralize the rust. Is there anything like that that you that, that would it be worthwhile to even try to attempt that, or is it not worth my time? I'm not familiar with those products, but my concern would be that you know if you got one, it'll probably open up somewhere else along the way. So it's kind of like you're chasing a ghost after a while. Okay. So maybe try the epoxy grout and uh, cross my fingers. I would say so. I think it's a pretty good chance it's going to work out, Bill, okay? Okay, thank you so much. Jackie in Florida is on the line with a dishwasher question. Tell us what's going on. Here's uh, my thing. It's a Whirlpool dishwasher. It's only four years old. And all of a sudden, just one day a few weeks ago, just I noticed all, all the dishes just stopped drying. And so I did some looking up. I did some troubleshooting. It could be this, it could be that, and now they seem to be washing, but just not drying, but now the, mm-hmm. there's mold building up in it as well, Yeah, and I've even noticed that, like, it's still hot if I pull it right after the cycle's done, it's still, you could still feel the warmness of it, but... But you got it, but you have to hand dry them, in other words. Right. Well, usually if the dishwasher is not drying, the problem is in the heating element. The fact that they're warm is probably just the hot water that you're using to wash it with because dishwashers are, you know, are hooked up to the hot water side. But uh-huh. the, uh, the heating element is that the electric coil that's in the bottom of the dishwasher and that may have failed. But you got a decision to make because you just mentioned you have a four year old dishwasher and having somebody come out and diagnose it and repair it, it's probably going to cost you 200 or 250 bucks. So, right. uh, on, what you got to figure out is whether or not you want to risk that or just go ahead and scrap it and go and order yourself a new one. When it gets right. to be middle aged like that, it doesn't always make sense to, to repair it. Right. And here's the, here's the thing, like even I've tried to even look up online to see if I can buy the heating element myself yep. and then replace it myself. But well, you certainly can do that. Part, the part number doesn't come up. I can't find a matching part to it. And so then I talked to Whirlpool, and, of course, they want to send someone out. And- Did you try Sears? Because I think Sears has Whirlpool parts, and they're really good about uh, about stocking a lot of parts and also taking them back if they don't fit. Do I have to pull it out of the cabinet to get to the screw to unhook it, or does it pull right? I wouldn't know without looking at it. You know, and that's the other thing. You're going to be diving into something that you're unfamiliar with, and it might just be that again, it just doesn't, you know, it it just uh, doesn't work. So I'm sure that somebody out here has had that problem before and has a a YouTube video waiting for you to look at. (laughs) (laughs) There's a YouTube video for everything. Yep. Right. You can do everything on YouTube. No, and that's actually what I've I've looked into YouTube as well. That's how I figured out how to fix anything and everything these days with YouTube. It's great. Um, but I didn't know if there was like a simple way, you know, I cleaned it well, I scrubbed everything down thinking maybe that was the problem because you know how dirty they get and clogged up. So I don't know. Well, like I said, I don't think it's a clog situation because if you told me your dishes weren't coming out clean, then we'd be having a different conversation, but it sounds like they're just not drawing and that's most likely going to be that coil. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I think you just made the, my final decision. 
All right. Well, we're glad we could help you out. That's what we do. Well, here's a quick tip if you're in the market for a new washing machine. You might be tempted to go out there and buy the cheapest model and save some money, but you're going to get better savings in the long run when you buy a more efficient washer. Now, high-efficiency washing machines use half the energy of a conventional washer and about a third less water. That spin cycle is so fast, so those clothes are not going to need as much drying time, which is also going to save you some money on the drying end. Yeah, and it's not just the uh, drying money you're going to save. You'll also use about two-thirds less detergent in a high-efficiency machine, and these machines can even handle large, bulky items like comforters and blankets and sleeping bags which over our camping years with the Scouts, we used to use a lot. A lot of sleeping bags have been laundered in those machines. And that really saves on all those special trips you used to have to take to the dry cleaner or the laundromat for that big stuff that didn't fit in your local machine. So really smart to look out for those high-efficiency machines. And when it's time to upgrade, make sure you invest in a good one. Now I've got Mike in Arkansas on the line who's got a bathroom venting question. What's going on? Well, uh, I've lived in my house for about... 20 years now, and uh, it doesn't doesn't seem like I had any issues with uh, excessive moisture up in the attic, Uh, but my vent uh, for one of my bathrooms recently went out, and I went up there to replace it, and I noticed that it wasn't vented through the roof, and uh, it's probably something I should have noticed much sooner than this, uh, seeing as how I had a metal roof put on a couple of years ago, and they didn't mention anything. Uh, but well, my question is: is there is obviously a three-inch drain line vent that goes through the roof, and it's right in between these two bathrooms that are essentially share a wall. Uh, so what I'm well, my question is: is whether or not I could put a T in that vent up in the attic and tie those two. Um, bathroom vent fans to that T and, and so <laughs> okay. roof. Yeah, I understand what you're trying to do, and the answer is no. <laughs> you can't do that. Because the bath, the plumbing vent you're describing is just for that. It's the vent your plumbing system. The the, the bath vent for, um, for the humidity in the room is a completely different purpose. So, no, what you need to do with the bath exhaust vent is to essentially duct it right to the outside. A couple of ways to do that. You could go up through the roof. There is a piece of flashing that will essentially go under the shingles and through the roof and the water will, will run around that it will not leak and then the bath exhaust duct will be attached to that. Or you could turn it horizontally and go up towards, say, the gable vent if there's one on the outside end of the building or if you have to have a ridge vent, uh, you could actually terminate it right near there if you didn't want to pierce the roof. But you can't tie in a bathroom fan vent with a bathroom plumbing vent. Seems like a good idea. I understand it, but but no, you don't want it. It's not designed to to go together like that. Yeah, you can also get water that would would come down that pipe, and it would get into the the exhaust duct for the fan for the vent fan, and then you'd start getting water inside your bathroom. I understand. I appreciate uh, getting back to me. You're welcome, Mike. Thanks for listening to the show. Post your questions, write your questions, email, whatever it is, let us know how we can lend a hand. Louise writes in and she says, I have a basement where one corner always leaks when there's heavy rain. Recently, I had worked on on my septic tank field and now I have seepage in another area. One contractor offers an outside solution to the problem, but 
no guarantees. Another wants to put in an inside drainage system. I'm so frustrated as I would like to get this issue fixed, but I really don't know what to do. Ah, well, we feel your pain on that, Louise. So let us try to make some sense of all this. First of all, you should know that any leaks brought on by heavy rain are easily fixable. You do not need an outside drainage system. You don't need an inside drainage system. I suspect the issue here is roof drainage. The gutters are blocked. They're undersized. The downspouts are not extended away from the foundation enough or some aspect of the grading around the house is running water towards this corner or containing it, like a landscaped bed edge or something of that nature. Uh, I would suggest that you go to our website and look at the article, which is on the homepage, Basement Waterproofing Tips on How to Fix a Wet Basement. It's one of the most read posts on the website. Uh, It's been proven useful to thousands of users, but most importantly, don't panic because this is very easily fixable and it's not going to cost you a lot of money. Check out that article. All the tips are right there. Yeah, Louise, you can definitely handle this on your own. So good luck with the project and let us know how it goes. Well, one household item can help improve clutter in your home's organization by giving you a key spot to get rid of stuff. Leslie's going to share that solution in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. So what is it? (laughs) Well, I mean, come on. You're in your house. Take a look around any room. Are you looking at piles of clutter? Is your stuff everywhere and doesn't seem to have a home? Well, when it's like that, it's very easy to feel overwhelmed about where you should be keeping things. And this is especially true for items that you use and need every single day. But there is one very simple solution that we like, and it's the one household item that I personally can't live without. And once you try it, you're not going to be able to either. I'm talking about baskets, not big baskets, not Easter baskets, not picnic baskets, but baskets of all shapes and sizes, because it's really the easiest way to store away things that look unsightly when they're out in the open, but yet you still have very easy access to the items when you need them. For example, when you get home, you know, are you kind of just throwing your keys and your wallet and your cell phone and all that stuff just on the counter? Well, put a little basket, put a little tray, something that's a spot for all of those things to go in. So when you come home, you just empty it right into that basket and then you know exactly where everything is when you need it later. You can also use these baskets for like remote controls, all your electric chargers, gadgets, things, coasters, whatever. Pick a thing specific to that room and say, this is the place where you live. Now, it's also good for bigger items, like all the shoes that end up in your front entry. I mean, even in a closet, they just become this pile of shoes. So if you've got some baskets, maybe one per family member, and everybody kind of puts their shoes in their own basket... Everything's right there, and you know where it is. I mean, baskets are the answer, and the ideas are endless. Great advice. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, if your bathtub has a worn-out finish, replacing that tub might require a major renovation of your entire bath. But before you do that, there are other far less costly options to consider. We'll tell you what they are on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.